Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Jesus, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'm telling you, it's happening right now. But you don't know it. Because you are blinded and distracted. Oh my God, I, I hope I don't lose nobody today. I don't want to lose anybody in this house today. I don't want nobody getting mad at me. If you get mad at what I'm about to say, at least hear me out. Give me a chance to finish what I'm saying and then we can talk privately and we can work this thing out. Don't get up and huff and puff and leave. But I'm going to make some clear statements this morning. I'm telling you, the people that claim to be woke are the most asleep. I told you to get quiet. Huh? Because here's what you got to be to be woke today. And I'm not talking about woke to injustice, woke to things that we need to open our eyes to. I'm talking about a generation. They want you to be woke, and to be woke in their eyes is to fall asleep when it comes to the things of God. They want you to see things purely from an earthly perspective without seeing why. Things are happening in our earth the way they are. If you eliminate the spiritual force behind evil, you will never deal with evil. See, if in your mind evil is a purely human creation, you will never destroy an evil intention. The Bible, would not, here's, I'm talking to Christians, right? I'm talking about the people that believe in God. Do you believe in God? I'm talking about people that believe in the Bible. Do you believe in the Bible? Okay, well, if you believe in God and you believe in the Bible, watch this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, huh? Rulers of the darkness of this world, Huh? Spiritual wickedness in high places. How many of we got some spiritual wickedness in high places? See, we're never going to solve whatever the problem is if we don't deal with the demonic influence that is behind it. Oh my goodness, I hope I can say this right. You want your kids to get delivered from drugs? Watch this. I ain't got no problem with rehab. Sometimes that's the best thing for your kids. But if you don't deal with the root cause that brought the addiction, rehab ain't going to fix nothing. They're going to go from rehab to rehab to rehab. You're going to need to cast the devil out of them. You can't. Let me help y'all too. You can't counsel a devil out. Oh, you didn't hear that. You can't, you can't 12 step a devil out. Huh? You can't sit around the room. My name is Larry Ragland and I have a demon. 
Oh, welcome, Larry. We all have demons as well. I ain't got a problem with 12 steps. I ain't got a problem. Listen, I'm a supporter. We support it financially. We believe in it. I'm all about Christian step programs. But here's the reality. You got a devil. Here's what you need. You need a man or a woman full of the Holy Ghost. You might need an oil bottle. And you need somebody who knows who they're in God. Point their finger at that devil and tell that devil to come out. There was a day when the church used to cast out devils. We've done them. I'm telling you, we cast out devils in all five buildings. I've cast out devils in my house. I've cast out devils on my back porch. And I ain't gonna tell who you are, but I've cast out some devils in your house. And the truth be known, I've cast some devils out of some of y'all. And y'all know who you are. I should have known this was going to happen. Coming, in, coming into church, me and Sandy, you know, we, we're both in the zone when we come into church. We don't, we, I'll be honest with you, we don't really talk a whole lot. She's, she's doing stuff on spreadsheets and all this over the drive, and I'm in meditation and thinking. We, you, but here's usually the question I'll get. She'll say, you got a good one for us today. That's what she'll say. She said, today she said something like, she said, you, you, you're going you're gonna, to, you, I forgot how she put it. So, like, you gonna take us to another level today? This is what I said to her. I said, "I'll be honest with you. I don't have really that feeling where I think I got a revelation that's powerful and all this." She she goes, "Do you study?" I said, "Of course, I study. I got I got six pages of notes." I said, "But I just I just got a feeling it's gonna be one of them days that God's just gonna show up and say some things that ain't in my notes." So I said this morning, "I didn't I didn't know, but I should have known." Somebody say this, I am supposed to be salt and light. I didn't say that. Jesus said we are supposed to be the ones that is influencing our community. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one, no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. How many believes that Jesus is, was the light of the world? As long as he was in the world, he was the light of the world. But how many knows his spirit is in this world, but he is sitting in heaven in authority interceding on us. So his bodily, uh, his human self that he chose to, to come into is not here. Look what he says when he continues in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You, remember he just said, I am the light. Now he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Oh, I saw, I saw a, a new Little Sweet commercial just, just this week. Little Sweet. It's an inside thing here, y'all. Y'all know I love Little Sweet. I don't drink Dr. Pepper at all, but I love Little Sweet. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is then good 
going to preach in just a minute. It's good for nothing to, but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot by men. Mm, coming back to that. You, remember he just said, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world. But now I want you to get something. When I go away, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Mm, I feel something. Woo, I feel like old T.D. Jake's days when he said, I feel the Holy Ghost just pushing me in the back saying, go, son, go. If the salt has lost its flavor, it is good for nothing. Boy, I'm going to try to smile when I say this because it's going to sound mean. So I'm going to smile while I'm saying it so they won't be as mean as it sounds. There is a reason why some churches are shutting down in this moment. Because they have lost their flavor and they're good for nothing. Listen, I ain't, I ain't talking about any church in particular and I don't want to see no church shut down. But if you ain't preaching Jesus, what are you doing? If you, ain't getting, if you ain't giving opportunity for people to be saved, what are you doing? If you ain't making disciples, what are you doing? If you ain't worshiping God, what are you doing? If you got a country club, my God, that's all it is, where people just pay their tithes and look at it like club membership. If you if you worried about what somebody's going to wear, everybody's competing on what they're wearing to church, and everybody's looking at everybody else, I'm telling you right now, it needs to be trampled underfoot and it needs to be shut down because you ain't no church. I thought I had a church. I thought I had a church that would help me preach. You ain't got to speak in tongues. You ain't got to dance. You ain't got a Jericho march. But you got to preach Jesus. If you ain't preaching Jesus, you ain't a church. Right, listen, I appreciate that you went fishing last week. I thank God that you went shopping. I thank God you had fun with your grandbaby. Tell some cool, cute stories. But if all you're doing is getting up there talking about going fishing, all you do is getting up there telling stories about what you've done in your life and there ain't no Jesus in there, man, you ain't preaching. You done lost your flavor. It'd be the same thing as you going to get sand and putting sand on your grits. Huh? Because that's all salt is, is flavored sand. Looks just like sand, don't it? The difference is, is the taste. Are you hearing me? It's the same thing. You can go get some white sand, and you, you can put it on the, on the table and fool a lot of people. They'll pick it up and sprinkle it all over their food, and they won't know what it is until they start eating it because they'll realize, man, that ain't salt. Let me tell you something. Some of the stuff that's sitting on the table that's being served and calling itself gospel, it needs to be thrown out and trampled under feet because it ain't salt, baby. It has lost its flavor. 
my God. Let me, let me, let me take a detour for about five minutes to just do a little teaching and then I'll come back to preaching. Let me speak to a situation called the United States of America. Now, I'm only going to give a short disclaimer and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because I got a feeling that my folks in here know my heart. I, I ain't got to explain who I am. If you're a visitor with us today, just look around. You'll see who is in our church. You'll know my heart. You'll know the heart of this house and the vision of this house. Everything in the existence of this world beyond the creation of Adam and Eve has been founded, created, and established by infallible, imperfect people. Every nation, every business, every organization, and quite frankly, every church that has ever been planted has been established, planted, created, organized by people who were born into sin and have a sin nature. Everything. Every pastor that has ever pastored a church that is a true man of God serving the Lord started out a heathen headed to hell. Right? So therefore, we know that our nation was founded by people who are not just in foul, uh, with, with things that are, whoever this person is, you should know not to call me right now, uh, that were founded by people Obviously, they don't know me because they don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> That's obviously a, a spam call or you don't know me. But here's the was founded by people who were not only having problems in their situation that they founded. They didn't have full direction. I'm being distracted because this person won't stop calling me. Hang on just a second. Yes, right. If they call me again, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to say, do you not know I'm a pastor trying to preach the gospel and equip the people for the work of the ministry? Take me off your call list. One time you don't call me is on a Sunday morning after 10 a.m. <laughs> That's right. That's probably what it is. My warranty on my car. I'm going to tell you something. When I say that it was founded by people who are Christians, I'm not saying that everything they were doing was Christian. In fact, many of the things they were doing was not Christian. But at least 50 of the 55 signers of the U.S. Constitution. Hang on, let me answer this call. Hello? Yeah, who's speaking? Hey, I'm a pastor, and I'm on the pulpit right now, and I'm preaching to my congregation. Can y'all say hi to us? Okay, so, so in other words, this is probably not a good time for us to talk. All right, don't call me again. Thanks. Okay. Is that, was that okay? Because I was getting tired of that. All right. I don't know. First it said, AP kill him, and then it said unknown. So two times it was AP kill him, then it went unknown. So he's like, okay, I need to change phones. <laughs> 50 of the 55 signers of the U.S. Constitution 
have documents saying that they believed that they were Christians. 50 of the 55. John Adams says, who was the signer of the Declaration of Independence, he was a judge, a diplomat, one of the two signers of the Bill of Rights, second president of the United States, said this, I quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Not a form of God. The general principles of Christianity. I will avow that, it, that, that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence of the attributes of God. Now, hold on a minute before you get all quiet on me want to walk out on me. Thomas Jefferson, who people have said is not a Christian, I have been to his home at Monticello. I have talked to the caretaker of the land and asked them point blank, was Thomas Jefferson a believer in Christianity? And this is what she said to me, my wife, and my brother-in-law Lee standing on the back of Monticello that one of the greatest fallacies ever sold to the American people is that Thomas Jefferson was a deist only and not a Christian. He was an active member of the church at the bottom of the hill. You walk through this house and you will see Jesus everywhere. And I'm telling you, the entire Monticello, if you've ever been there, is filled with paintings of Christianity and Bibles are everywhere. He did famously say that uh, he loved to read the red letters and he loved to read the words of Jesus and he didn't really like to follow the, follow the words of of Christian people who say they believe in Jesus. This is what he said. I am a real Christian. That is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ and not of a man. Now, now, I understand all the baggage that comes with these two men and the founding forefathers as well. But let me tell you something about God. Where we got to remind ourselves something about God. Not about this nation. Not about the founding fathers, whatever you want to call it, of this nation. What we as Christians, not as Americans. Can I, I know you're all Americans, but can I talk to some Christians right now who happen to be Americans? Can we just sort of set aside Americanism for just a moment and let's talk about kingdomism? Can I talk to some kingdomism people in here for just a moment? Jesus Christ is bigger than any nation. He is big picture. He sees the end from the beginning. He is the one that was and is and is to come. He is the alpha and the omega. So I'm going to tell you something about God. God knew the beginning of America. He knew everything we would walk through to purge demonic sins of man through America. In the midst of dealing with these sins, we would fund more missions than any nation that's ever existed. We would plant more churches than any nation that's ever existed. Every hospital, the entire concept and imagination of what is a hospital would be created in the mind of people who believe in Jesus. They would create universities to train our young people. Are you hearing me? Every university that was founded was founded on Jesus Christ. Every hospital that was created was founded on Jesus Christ. Christ along the way in the midst of evil in the midst of demonic activity God had remnants of people 
who were not buying into that, but was buying into the kingdom. Woo! I hope, my God, I'm just now getting some folks back to church. I hope it looks this good next week. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, because this is point number two. And I got seven points. You got to understand something about God. Remember, you remember that story? It's in my notes. Remember that, remember that story when, when Jesus is standing on, on, the, on the banks of the Sea of Galilee and he looks at his disciples. He says, look, I need, to, I need to separate myself from you and go and talk to my father. So here's what I want you to do, Richard. Am I preaching right? Get in the boat. And then this is what he said. I will meet you on the other side. That's all he said. I need you to get in the boat. I'm going up on the mountain to pray. Get in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. All they heard was, get in the boat, meet you on the other side. So they thought, my God, we're going to take a pleasure cruise. Jesus is going to chill. We're going to be able to get out there and relax on the water, maybe do a little fishing, do some sunbathing. It's going to be awesome, man. So Jesus, the moment Jesus separated, went up on the high place to pray. They got in the boat, and the Bible says, when they got in the midst, in, in other words, in the center, not, not, not so far that you got a choice. It's the same distance to go back as it is to finish the course. That's what it means when it says in the midst. It means in the center. So when they got to the center where it was decision time, there arose a storm that started rocking that boat and they all feared for their lives that they were going down with the ship. The ship was taken on water. They began to cry out. And they don't say these words in scripture, but I just know human nature enough to know that somebody in that boat was saying, well, why didn't God tell us about this? Why didn't Jesus, as he's all knowing, why didn't he say something about this storm? Did this storm catch God by surprise? Am I your pastor? Six months ago, I asked you if I was your pastor and your spiritual father because I didn't know all that I was going to preach, but I knew the journey God was going to take me on, and I needed you to know and find out and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm your spiritual father. You don't walk in the fence. Watch this. Did Jesus know about the storm? Of course he did. But Jesus wanted his people to trust him that no matter what happens in the boat, hold on to the promise. He thought he could trust his people to not have to qualify. You may have to go through some things to get there. But trust this, I have said that if you'll stay faithful in the midst of chaos and storm, I got you. I'll be waiting on the other side. But here's what's so awesome about God. He goes up to a high place to pray. But why does he go up to a high place to pray? It ain't because the higher he got up on a mountain, the closer he got to God. He is God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many knows that was not, it was so he could keep watch and see everything 
Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. In the spirit, he could see everything, but in the natural, he only had two eyes. He wanted to show you that he wasn't just God. He was a shepherd that cared about his sheep. So he got up high so he could see. So when that storm came that he knew was coming, he watched to see how they react. He's like, no, that ain't good. So he comes down off the mountain, and he comes walking on the water. Y'all know the story. After Peter gets out, walks on the water, takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens to Peter? He sinks. I want to say to you right now, we're in the midst of a storm. And what you don't realize is it looks like we're going down with the ship called America. It looks like America's going down. But I'm going to tell you something. We got a God that is high and lifted up. Huh? Huh? And he is watching his people. Huh? You want to walk on the top of this storm? You want to walk on the top of the issues around you? You want to crush some devil's heads? You better get your eyes on Jesus. Because what is being done all around you, what is being said all around you is to take your eyes off of Jesus and put your eyes on infallible, sinful, mistake-ridden, sin-ridden man. They are the ones in the boat who, they are the same ones that cried out, Hosanna, 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 when Jesus came in and just a couple of days later was crying out, crucified. People are fickle. But God is not fickle. God is consistent. Huh? Some of y'all need to take a pill. It's 11.07. Just keep up with the time. God is big picture. He plays the long game. He don't force anything on anybody. But he lays things upon our journey to help us make decisions. So, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, and it's a hard pill to swallow for a kingdom-minded person. Verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience' sake. For because of this, you will also pay taxes. Somebody else say, no, y'all rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. I didn't say that. Paul, the writer of the majority of the New Testament, who spent three years privately with Jesus in a desert, said that. 
Now, what you got to get is this. Here's what you got to get. Because I know right now already your minds are messed up. Because you think you know what I'm saying, but you don't. It is not that God sets up evil authority. It does not set up leaders knowing they're going to be evil. That is not what this is speaking of. It is not speaking, in other words, God was not pleased with Hitler. I mean, there's no way you're going to make me believe that God said what this world needs is Hitler. How many of us, he was possessed of the devil. What he's saying is the subject and the power that is authority. The concept of authority, if someone has it, was not created by man. It was given to man by God in Genesis 1.26. So when authority is in place, things come with that authority even though those people are not of God. That authority to even have authority can't happen on its own. The concept of authority comes from God. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me is what Jesus said. But that word power is not the same word power that's in Acts 1.8 when it says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power in the original Greek is the word dunamis where we get the word dynamo or we get the word dynamite or explosive power. When Jesus said all power has been given to me in heaven and earth is the word excusia. And excusia means authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now watch this. He did not say that until he was resurrected. It's going to mess you up what I'm about to say. But you need to get this. Because authority here on this earth was given to man in Genesis 1.26. And God said, I'm still God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But the operation of governments, the operation of authority, the building, the establishing, the creating, the discipline, the empowering, here on this earth, I give it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to do what's right down there and serve me while you're doing what's right. But you've got the decision to do what's right or not. And how many of those man chose what's not right? They chose it in the garden. They've been choosing ever since, right? What happened? When man sinned, he had dominion. When he sinned, he gave and empowered dominion to the devil. And Because the, the devil had no rights here. He still don't. Genesis 1.26 says he ain't got no rights. This whole thing about the devil made me do it. Pfft. Devil can't make you do anything. You got authority over the devil. If, if you did it, you felt like the devil was involved, it's because you let the devil do it through you. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me preach this morning. I could preach three hours today and I ain't even gonna apologize for it. 
But he came out with stolen authority. And what happened? We saw murder. We saw Cain murder his own brother. We saw Cain when he was driven out. There's enough time going on, believe it or not, that cities had already been created. Cain was worried because he knew the same spirit to come on me to kill my brother. When they find out when I get to this city that, that I killed my brother, they're going to kill me too. There was a murderous, evil spirit on this earth from the beginning. Genesis chapter 6, you want to talk about a messed up world, go read Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says the whole earth, the entire earth was evil continually. It was in the nature of man to be demonic. Only one person on the whole earth found grace in the eyes of God, Noah. And God destroyed the whole earth with a flood because of the nature and the murderous spirit that was turned over the authority in the garden. So you fast forward to Jesus, age 30. Walks down into the river Jordan with his cousin. His cousin looks up and says, what's up, cuz? No, he didn't say that, probably. Something like that. He knew him because they were raised together. They were cousins. Cousin! Oh, wait a minute. That's not my cousin. Listen to what the Bible says. He says in the book of John, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Comes down into the water. He's standing there in front of him. He's going, I don't get this. I see the glory of God all over you. Please, Jesus, baptize me. Baptize me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You you need to read the Bible. This, there are so much stuff in there that we miss. Listen to what Jesus said. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I have to do it this way. Because I didn't just come to die on the cross for people's sins. I got a bigger picture involved here. I got a big agenda here. So because of what I did in the garden in Genesis 1.26, I understand Man has authority here on this earth. That's why I chose to become a man. Because I'm not going to break my own law. Is this good preaching? So he says, no, 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 you don't get it now. But you're going to have to do for me just like you do for everybody else. Okay. So he takes Jesus down the water and he comes up. It is at that moment, age 30. Never happened before, at least in recorded scripture. He comes up out of the water, something shifts in the spirit realm. All of a sudden, clouds part. Holy Spirit comes out of hell, his own breath. His own breath comes on him, not as a dove, but like a dove. A gentle spirit, praise God. It wasn't a little dove that come down, oh, hey, you cute, buddy, you're my whole spirit. No, no, it was like a dove. It was this sweet spirit that came down and rested upon him. And even though it's his own anointing of which he's existed in in all of eternity, for the first time in his walk as a human, he felt the anointing that was in him come on him. Are you hearing me? It came on his body and Jesus began to feel his own presence. My God, are y'all hearing me? Jesus began to feel in his flesh his own spirit. It was at that moment that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now we know he's equal with God. Why did he call him the son of God? Why did he say, this is my beloved son? 
my only begotten son, because that was all a statement in the spirit realm. Because Jesus later on said, he's questioned this person one time. He said, do you worship God? Oh, yeah, we worship God. And they started to, he said, you don't even know who God is. God is a spirit. And them that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. So before that moment, God had always existed as spirit. But at that moment, God, oh my God, listen. Oh, you gotta get this. He was born into flesh in the Virgin Mary, but in the River Jordan, God, for the first time in all of eternity, God who became man, man, the man part of God, experienced the return of that dominion from the guard, that authority. He took it back. Or he began to take it back. That was the beginning of the process. He felt an empowerment. Because watch what happens. He immediately, no church, no music, no Spotify to get him in the mood. Huh? No food, no water. Isolation. Quarantine. You're in quarantine, man, and you can't get out. That's when he comes in. He starts trying to tell you things. That's what's happening all over the world right now. But Jesus fought the devil face to face. At one point, the devil takes Jesus up to a high place. And he says, this is what Jesus, this is what the devil says to Jesus. This blows my mind. The devil says, look out in this valley. He says to Jesus, all of this. I, the devil says this, I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, I know my Jesus. He ain't scared. Huh? Jesus ain't scared of no devil. Jesus ain't intimidated by no devil. But because if we were writing this and we were just making up this story, because a lot of people say they're just making up the story. That this all made up. Ain't no human ever that would have wrote that story and was trying to explain the power and the deity of Jesus and the power of Jesus. He wouldn't have wrote back and said, you stupid devil, you idiot. You ain't got no right to tell me nothing. I own the whole earth. Shut up. Huh? Did he not speak out on nothing and speak to nothing and nothing became something? Before there was a city, he's the one that made the dirt underneath the city. He let the devil talk. Oh, you ain't going to be able to handle this. Because he knew at that moment he was not walking in the authority to rebuke that. Mm. Because the authority to say that that city belonged to the devil had been given to him by man. He said, let me tell you something, devil. I might not be able to say everything I want to say right now, but let me just go ahead and quote the word of God at you. It is written. Hmm? You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him you shall only worship. 
Hey, you hungry? Make that stone into bread. It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, come on, are y'all hearing me? And then he finally got tired of messing with him, and he just said, get out of my face. It is said. One, two times he said it is written. He quotes the logos, which is the, the, the Greek word for uh, the, the, the written word. He quotes the logos. The third time he says it is written, some versions say it is written, some say it is said. It, th those two words go from logos to the word rhema, which is a live right now spoken word. I say to you now, it is my live word says, get thee behind me, Satan. And the Bible says, watch this, watch this. Listen, you've got to get this because you've you got to understand humanity and authority. The devil departed him for a season. So if you think you're going to cast the devil out of your house and never have to deal with him again and Jesus only got a season before he came back, who do you think you are? You're going to be dealing with devils the rest of your life. This nation was founded by people who were dealing with devils and it's still being led by people who are dealing with devils. Well, but we want man to be holy and acceptable unto God. But Jesus died on that cross, y'all. And the Bible says the New Testament begins at the death of the testator. Jesus died on that cross. He said, it is finished. Let me tell you something. so much in those three words. When I was a kid, I heard it is finished meant you can be saved. And that's part of it. But man, the more I studied, the more I realized, man, that's just about that much of what it is finished means. It means you are healed. It means you are delivered. It, it means you are free. It means your mind is straight. Come on, somebody. It means you got a sound mind. It means peace that passes all understanding. It means joy unspeakable and full of glory. It means faith to stand against a storm and say it to that storm, stop it. It means faith to run ahead of the dead, to run ahead of the plague and stand between the living and the dead and say, stop it in the name of Jesus. That's enough. But more than anything, it means restoration between man and God. We can walk with him in the cool of the day again. <laughs> Woo! Uh -huh. That's what he said. All power now in heaven and earth has been given unto me. You don't read about the devil challenging him again, do you? There ain't another scripture where he even has the guts to show his face. In fact, when he's on the cross, he's nowhere to be found. Last time we have a record of him trying to mess with him was in the Garden of Gethsemane where the stress came in on him so much the devil was saying stuff to Jesus. You can't change these people. You see who they are. I know you made them, but they're never gonna serve you. They're never gonna change. Nothing you suffer, nothing that you're beaten with, nothing that you're nailed with is ever gonna change them. And if this began to press upon the flesh of Jesus, press upon the mind of Jesus, and Jesus under that pressure said Lord my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me but then all of a sudden his spirit quickened him I could just see Jesus just rising up and say no 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 but nevertheless not my will but your will be done I've come too far I can't stop now I gotta get him back father I, we, can't, we can't miss this moment 
That's why I love that scene in the Passion of the Christ. When that snake is slithering all around the legs of Jesus. And his sweat has become as great drops of blood. And he's agonizing. But then there comes a moment he just stands up. And when he stands up, you just see that look on his face. And Jesus says, and walks out. Huh? Ain't that what he said in the garden? You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. Your pastor is preaching this morning. My God. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. The battle for us was not one on the cross, it was one in that garden. Because the battle for us was the battle between Jesus and the devil. Not against Pilate, not against Herod, not against the Jewish people, not against those that would cry out, crucify him. Because remember, Jesus even said, look down at the Roman soldier just drove spikes through his wrist, through his feet. Look down at the very one that just stuck a spear in his side and was mocking him and spitting on him and giving him vinegar to drink when he was thirsty. And his words was, God, they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. They don't even have a clue how they're being used to play out the big picture. In fact, one day they'll thank God that they were even here. The battle was won in that garden. When he stood up, straightened himself, he was covered in blood. The Bible said his sweat had become of great drops of blood. That means out of every sweat gland and orifice of his body, before he was ever beaten, before the crown of thorns was ever applied, before the first nail was ever driven, he was soaked in his own blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He got up. Can you imagine this? We don't see that in the movies. We don't see when Jesus comes out in the garden and meets the soldiers and kisses Judas. Can I tell you something? When, when Judas kissed him, when Ju- you got to get this image. If the Bible is true, and it is true. When, can you imagine what Judas thought when he looked up and saw a bloody Jesus walking out of the darkness? He had, oh, y'all ain't going to handle this. When he kissed him, he kissed the blood of Jesus. He had to pull back and wipe the blood of Jesus off his face. Even in the act of betrayal, the blood of Jesus was saying, I love you, Judas, and there's hope for you, son. I know you don't get it now, but hold on. I'm telling you right now, I know what the Bible says about Judas, but I also know what the Bible says about God. If, if he wouldn't have hung himself and he was stood around, stayed around long enough and let the Spirit of God deal with him, Jesus would have never looked at Judas and said, there's no forgiveness for you, son, because he just got through saying, forgive them, for none of them know what they're doing. I can see Jesus hugging Judas and saying, Judas, listen, well done, thy good and faithful servant, but you got to go through the blood and you got to go through repentance. You can't go through religion. He said it is finished. When he said it is finished, he took back that title deed. I promise you now, when you read about Job, 
him going before and accusing, mocking Job. You don't read about that in the New Testament. Mm. Jesus, Jesus ain't on the cross right now. Jesus ain't even standing outside an empty tomb. You, you should have been in Revelation teaching. You'd see what, what Jesus looks like right now. It ain't, it, ain't what you, it ain't what you got hanging on your wall at home. He took back that authority. And then he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he said something powerful. What I have, I give to you. In other words, you couldn't take it back because you was the one that gave it up. But here's why, here's how John 3.16 goes to a whole nother level of meaning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that his, through his son rather the world might be saved. Here's what he meant by that. It wasn't that he just loved you so much he died for your sins. He understood the only way restoration between God and man and your authority to walk in boldness to face the devil down the way we need a generation to face down he had to come as a man because he knew there's no man including Peter including Paul including the greatest Christians that's ever walked this earth was ever going to be perfect enough to do what needed to be done So, point number three. God is not a Republican. Point number four. God is not a Democrat. Point number five. He's not a libertarian or whatever you call yourself. Point number six, I think, he is not an undecided voter. See, that's one of the problems we got in this world. I'm not talking about politics. I'm just talking about in general. We got too many undecided people. I remember when I was a kid here, I have decided, sing it, to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Come on, give him praise if you have decided to follow Jesus. Now, I'm hurrying. All that I promise you I'm ending. We have to remember that we were as believers, as humans, born into the country in which we were born. Do you understand everybody in this world is not Americans? People are born in China. People are born in Russia. People are born in, in uh, different places of Africa. They're born in Australia. They're born in New Zealand. 
You know what? They are just as important to God and created in the image of God as you Americans. You're not greater than the rest of the world, Americans. In fact, you need to get on a plane and go on a mission trip and go to these other countries that have less than 1% of what you have and you might find out what a believer is supposed to look like. But watch this, whether you're American, Russian, Chinese, Hispanic, from the continent of Africa, born in the continent of North America, Central America, Latin America, fill in the blank. You might have been born on the North Pole. When any of you ask Jesus to come into your life, you are born again into a new government. In this government, they speak every language on the planet. In this government, they have the original constitution. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? In this government, we, we know exactly the rights and authorities that's been given to this government. This government is a new government. It's a new covenant. It is greater than any nation. It is greater than any state. It is greater than any local city. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come just to preach salvation. He came preaching the kingdom of God. Are y'all hearing me? He said, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is coming. Peter said, repent for the times of refreshing in the kingdom. It was all about the kingdom. We have forgotten about the kingdom. Yes, we are to honor and obey our local laws. But, is this microphone still working? Am I still on, am I still, I haven't been kicked off nothing yet? Still on YouTube and Facebook, everything looking good? If you're watching online, it may be bye-bye. Because they may kick me off. But if the governments of man command us to clearly, that's a word you got to get in the spirit, clearly, clearly violate the laws of God's kingdom, we must stand with the kingdom. All right, you can be seated. That's not popular today. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be prideful on myself or this church, but you ain't hearing that in many places. I'm talking about churches. You ain't hearing pastors preach like that. They're scared. But now watch this. 
I am proud, as humanly possibly proud, to be an American. And if you don't like me hearing them say that, well, you know what? It's America. You got your free will to think that. That's the great thing about America. I love my country. God bless the USA. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of you love America more than you do God. You have made America your God. He said, thou shalt not put any other gods before me. And you have put, in, uh, put America and politics and America's ways of thinking and doing things above what God has said. And I'm going to tell you something. As Americans, Christians, we're going to answer to God for that one day. Now, I am a citizen of America. I, every right that comes with Americans, I have. But I am a citizen of two worlds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The same dirt that they will put me in one day is the same dirt they put the atheist in. The same dirt they put the Nazi in. The same dirt they put the demon-possessed people in. It's just dirt. The difference between what goes in the dirt is what who is in the dirt is not really in the dirt because once you die, you are out of this world into, into another world and you ain't gonna, go, you, who you are in this world has got nothing to do with who you're gonna be in that world. Which I felt so sick when I said I'm going in the same dirt as a Nazi. I don't even want to be in the same dirt with a Nazi because they're <laughs> demon possessed. But can I tell you something? It's going to mess you up. Whether somebody's a Nazi, whether they, whether they are on death row because they committed heinous murders. Let me tell you something. It, we don't like it. We don't want to hear it. But we need to understand something. If somebody comes to God with a true broken heart and a contrite spirit and they go through the blood of Jesus, let me tell you something. They can be saved. Because the same spirit that was on the most demonic, evil person you've ever known is the same spirit was on the ones that crucified Jesus. God Almighty. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul was saying is I'm still a Roman citizen. I'm still a Jewish person with Roman citizenship privileges. But I know who I am ultimately. My name may be written on the rolls in the hallowed halls of Roman courthouses and live in, in, in museums and archives. The most important document in my life other than the words that is called the Word of God is the book of life where my name is written. Remember what Jesus said? Oh, just I wish I had three days to preach. I could preach a three-day revival right now. Watch this. They came back and they said, Oh, you'd be proud of us, Jesus, his disciples. 
Demons were subject to us in your name. We spoke your name and demons come out. We laid hands on the sick and they were, they were awesome. What, it was awesome what happened. Jesus said, rejoice not that demons are subject to you in my name, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, because the only reason you got the authority over devils is because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The only way that you can cast out devils in my name, lay hands upon the sick and see them recover, is because you are a citizen of another world. I will close by reading... The words of a famous preacher. I will read the words, then I will tell you who the preacher was, and I will tell you when he wrote it and said it. It's actually written transcript of what he said in a pulpit. These are the words. Brethren, he was speaking in a pastor's conference. Brethren, our preaching will bear its legitimate fruit. If immorality prevails in this land, the fault is ours to a great degree. If there is a decay of the conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and becomes worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in, the, in respect to the morals of this nation spoken in New York City December the 4th 1873 by Charles Finney if there was ever a word spoke out of generation it was that word. He obviously thought he saw this, but he had no idea. And I'm thankful that somebody thought in the 1800s to record his words because Charles Finney is speaking to America in 2020. Give him praise right now. Give the Lord praise. If you believe that is speaking about us right now. But I'm going to read it again in 2020. This is how it would read in 2020 preaching. Brethren, oh, and make sure that I'm speaking to the sisters or whatever gender you feel that you have identified with. 
I don't want to call it preaching because I don't want you to feel like I'm preaching to you. So my talk today will possibly bear its legitimate fruits, but if you don't feel that they're legitimate, it's, it's your choice. I was going to talk about immorality prevailing, but what is our immorality? That's really up to the individual, whatever your truth is. And I want to make sure, pastors, I've gathered you today to just take the pressure off of you. What is happening in our world, it's not your fault. Preachers, you, we, we need to help our people understand that when we look and see the degenerate, what looks like degenerate and worldly view that is happening and creeping into our young people in our nation, it's a part of evolving and it's a part of loving and God is love. So let's make sure that we empower people to love. And if the world is losing its interest in religion, that's probably a good thing because religion is responsible for almost every war that's ever happened. Religion is responsible for persecution and holding people back from their rights forever. So it's probably good that we do away with the church and just meet at the golf course and on the lake and drink us a cold one and talk about the good Lord. And, you know, don't, don't even get involved in politics because I know that it looks like that you know, there's demonic things happening in legislation. But, you know, those are just people just like you and I. And it's not the church's responsibility to address anything politically whatsoever. Because be careful, you might lose your 501c3. This is one of the reasons, Jim. God has put the burden on me to pastor pastors. Be a father. The other day I was walking by myself praying. And God spoke to me and said, Son, I've moved you in to another focus of your life. I need you to not ever lose focus of your church and your family. I need you to spend the rest of your life pouring into sons and daughters and pastors holding them in in the fire don't let them quit church this church is going to be a blessing to pastors of other congregations we're going to help hold them to keep them in the fight scrolling to the very end by saying this. The argument that the Constitution separates church and state is widely misunderstood, at the least widely mistaught. The provision that is supposed to keep the government from interfering in people's religion and the way they worship God is in the First Amendment. I read, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right 
of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. We have so misunderstood that statement that we think that statement means, and it's not because we've read it, it's because we've listened to people tell us what it says. And this is what they've convinced us that it says, that we need to keep all religion out of politics. That is not what it says. It says we commit to keep all politics out of religion. We forbid ourselves from ever establishing anything to stop you from worshiping whoever you want to worship. And that don't just mean Jesus Christ. You can worship, you go outside and worship your dog. Some of you do. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Proverbs 14.34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, meaning any nation. Wow, that was not my sermon today. Some of y'all may misunderstand my motivation. I am not angry. Some people think I'm an angry preacher. I am not angry. I'm not. I'm just a little intense. But I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at anything. Because I don't consider the one I'm mad at to be somebody. I am mad at the devil. I am sick of demon spirits messing with God's people. just let a peace come in this room. You know everything that's going on in their mind, the turmoil, not just of what's going on in their nation, but in their families, in their finances, in their jobs, with their children, their grandchildren, their marriages. We have spent two hours today in the very first song everything we sung, through everything we've declared, everything I've preached, declaring Jesus, nothing is greater than you. So that's the case and we believe it. Chaos has to bow to your name. Sickness has to bow. Tormenting spirits have to some that you have expressed, some that you have kept to yourself. Breathe in that peace. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Like a breath of fresh air. It is finished. He paid the price. 
you're sitting, if you need to make some things right with God, just, I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer. You know what to say. Just start talking to him. Just, you know, something like Jesus. Forgive me. Restore me right now, God. Right there where you're at. Just say it in your own words. He can, he can understand your heart. Just whisper it right there. You speak those words. Peace is coming. Joy. There's multiple marriages in our church right now of husband and wife, husband and wife who love God dearly, love this church and love God so much. But there is chaos. There is a separation that is happening. That has happened over a long period of time. And they're pushing and they're pushing. God said, right now, if you'll just, if they're here with you, take them by the hand. If they're not, picture them right say nothing. Just receive it. I hear the Lord say, I'm restoring joy to your marriage right now. I'm restoring passion that looks beyond mistakes, that looks beyond the past. There's passion being restored in your marriage right now. Yeah. Joy. At that point of contact, when you touch that hand, you're going to feel Also saying that there are some, some some people in here that you're single either by choice, you may be single in here by the unfortunate loss of your spouse or maybe even divorced. Whatever has brought you to a place of singleness and, and even at times loneliness, God said two things to you today. First, there is that void is being filled right now. God said, you're going to really fully release it to him right now. And that peace that comes from intimacy with him is going to fill that void right now. Secondly, and I've not said this in years. God's not told me to say something like this in years. Secondly, God said, if you know in your heart that you're ready for someone to come into your life, to be with you the rest of your life, you've been faithful the Lord said, you've, you've stayed consistent. But what he needs you to do, because you have that authority, is you need to speak that, that you're ready for God to send them. Because he has them, but he's waiting on you to say that you're ready. The one that he wants you to be with. Hmm, that was, that was out of nowhere. Thank you, Jesus. Could we do something? I know what time it is. I know I've probably preached an hour and a half, but, you know, that's what the vein we're in. That's who I am. I'm your pastor. You ain't going to get no 20-, 30-minute sermon from me. Um, but we're still going to do things we got to do. But could we just stand? Can we pray for our nation right now? Can we just pray for our nation? We're moving into the political season full speed. 
want our minds to be protected. Every one of us, regardless what party affiliation you are, that's between you and God. I could care less. I'm just saying whatever route you're walking down, whoever you're going to vote for, let's pray right now that our minds are protected from the influence of distraction from voices that's trying to take our eyes off the kingdom of God. When it's all said and done, listen, when it's all said and done, whoever is the president will be the president. Right? Whoever's in Congress will be in Congress. Who Father, right now, as we raise our hands in unity all over this house, we lift up our nation. We lift up those who are hurting, those who have walked through lifetimes of injustice, pain, lost people, those that have experienced, walked racism, felt the pain of the demonic spirit of racism in their lives and has broken them caused them to think that people to hear the voices of people do not equate them equal with themselves and with God we call that spirit racism over this nation and around the world we call it out we speak to it president, the Congress, this president, and the future president, whoever it is. We lift them up and we pray for our nation. We can't be responsible for everybody else, but we can be for us. It's for me and my house. In this house, we will serve you, God, and we will be who you've called us to be, God, not who man has called us to be. Help us to be that voice. In Jesus' name. Can we give God a praise right now? All of this.